this is the greatest injustice, I think, to a child. This is too much of an imposition on a child that is making them have to say things and do things to feed a system that is then saying who can manipulate better will be the winner. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Father's Rights Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the newly formed Father's Rights Association of Malaysia, or FREM. Apart from being a support group for fathers who have lost custody of their children, the main mission of FREM is to advocate for shared parenting. You can learn more about the Father's Rights Association of Malaysia from the first episode of our podcast with the founders Malcolm Fernandez and Sheikh Falik. The link will be in the description. On this episode, though, we will explore why shared parenting is the way forward from the psychological perspective with consultant clinical psychologist, Dr. Valerie Jakes. Morning, Dr. Valerie. How are you? Good morning, Kevin. I'm fine. Thank you. Dr. Valerie, tell us what shared parenting means and how is it viewed in Malaysia today? I, I think the current legal aspect on how parenting is shared doesn't seem to be fair to one or the other because it sounds like it's imposed upon by, by many factors around this uh, separation or this uh, custody. But if you think of the concept of uh, shared parenting itself, this in itself is a given whereby there is no real division that says you only get one day or two days or three days, but the child has uh, freedom of all days with both parents um, in different settings. And it can be that if you have a week, you might have half the week with one parent or, or the other parent. But I would think that the, the aspect of shared at the end of the day should be related to what's good for the child in terms of having time with both parents in a day. It should not be different than when people lived under one roof where the child had access to seeing both parents in a day at different points in time of the day it might not necessarily be that they are together with the parent in the day, uh, with both parents in the day at the same time, but it could be then that there is time spent with each parent in a day without this idea that uh, you need to wait so many days before you can engage or say something. And this takes, because this takes away the spontaneity from the child who may want a feedback from a parent or you know, an engagement with the parent in that day. It's like to tell the child, you can't talk to your parent today. You have to just take notes of what you want to say to them and then wait. Um, um, by the end of the week, then you get to see your parent and then you can bring up all those things in your notes, you know, that you've written out that you want to discuss with that parent. So this is a concept which then doesn't encourage a relationship with the parents and, and children. So shared parenting is one where there is both um, the ability to spend the time, whether it be physically, on phone, in, con you know, in constant uh, freedom for the child to be able to engage with any one of their parents at any point in time in a day. So it's not just asking for equal time with the child, but it's more for the child to have access to both parents at any time they need. Why is this important for the child? When you think of a child coming from a household, um, when it was intact, very often that there is a, a child that sees both parents. And when a child is able to see both parents, 
uh, even though they don't talk too much to their parents, but they are in that environment, you know, and the and the child and their parent engages in some way. This uh, creates a indirect uh, feeling of who is close and who is not close to a person. When we think about asking a child who you're close to, we don't even need to ask. Very often when you see a child who's scared or not sure of something or not feeling well, without the doubt, they will quietly move towards their parent. You know, either parent, depending on who is, is there for them. Now, yes, there are some homes where the child only goes to mother because mother takes care of all those kind of needs when they're not well, when, you know, when they need to go to the toilet or something. But um, there are homes where it's the father who does it. And sometimes these are done because this is the female child, so the mother does, and when it's the male child, the father does. But not necessarily. It can still be done by the other parent as well. So depending on what came out in that home, children grow up in a home where this familiarity of who is my father and who is my mother, I won't even use the term father and mother, you know, that this, this consistent person is in my life and therefore this is how we relate to that person. So when you have a, a situation of uh, separation, divorce and children no longer see one party or the, the absence of, of that party in their life, after some time, that familiarity goes away and that person becomes a little bit like a stranger. And when, you know, so unless the attachments were very strong, it takes time for that child when they step into this environment to be able to feel emotionally connected to the person or they don't know how they're supposed to act and behave. And that also depends on the so-called permission given by the party that holds the custody because if that party is not happy in that process the child absorbs this feeling and this then makes them feel that they're doing something that would make the other party unhappy and when that that party is unhappy then the child is doing something against their wishes which then says they can be in trouble for it so this is very confusing for the child am i right in saying that even at a very young age Children can sense uh, through body language if they're upsetting either or both their parents. Children learn to sense this emotional um, approval or disapproval of their parents without the parents even having to open their mouth and say something. So in situations where um, children are separated, then this sense of approval and disapproval is very much sensed from within. And this then makes a child uncomfortable. Am I stepping into doing something which the other party is already not approving? Even though the words outside say, yes, yes, you can go. Yes, go ahead. You know, they might even smile, but they sense your feeling. And the body language is there. You know, there's a tension already between. Um, and especially separations and divorce did not come without conflict. So children have also experienced the conflict when they were still under the same roof and the tensions between the two. So these are very complicated things because they are not dealing with what we say or what we see or what is presented on the outside, which is um, just like uh, when we wear our clothes, you know, we, we cover up something. It may look nice enough on the outside, but on the inside is another story.
Dr. Valerie, in some cases, the child will be put in a difficult position to choose which parent they want to live with. Isn't this unfair? This is the greatest injustice, I think, to a child. Greatest injustice. And this injustice is once again sitting within the legal system. There are countries out in the West that have removed this and, and stopped doing things like this as they begin to see that this is uh, really, really traumatic for a child to be put in such a situation. In fact, it's a system being abusive to a child, if I want to say it as strongly as this, because the child should never have to choose a parent. It was two parents that were responsible to create the child, to make the child. It was two parents who brought the child into the world. It was two parents who brought this child up in whatever environment that they were in. And if the two persons could not any longer live with each other, they didn't need to punish the child by saying suddenly the child has to choose one over the other. It is not the child's choice. If a child was asked to choose and that the parents had to listen to what the child wants, the child will say, no, the two of you stay here in this one house and do what we, the children, tell you to do, you know? But the court and the law does not uh, allow children to dictate. They are only asking the children to choose something which they are dictating. And in the, in the long run, the children don't have the option to say, I, I don't choose father or mother, but I choose that they have to learn to manage themselves and live in this house together with me in some way. You know, nobody gives them that choice. So, so really, it's, this is the greatest injustice. And, and this should be removed from all court systems. In fact, the children are being asked to be assessed most of the time. In custody cases, lawyers send children to be assessed. The father will bring a child to be assessed. The mother will bring a child to be assessed. But uh, I'm sorry, I don't do assessment for children in such cases because I am very much against the idea that the child should be assessed for their stress level, for their ability to be of sound mind to make a decision of where they should go and how they should say something that uh, um, we should take a statement that the child is making that says this parent is good and that parent is bad. You know, this is too much of an imposition on a child that is making them have to say things and do things to feed a system that is then saying who can manipulate better will be the winner. So are we, are we advocating for um, the development of manipulation? And the, the master manipulator is also highly narcissistic. Are we advocating for this? Or are we advocating for flexibility, shared um, environments, freedom to move between one and the other. Uh, so, so really uh, asking a child to choose is to me uh, a great injustice and an abuse of the court system to the child. So when we talk about children being abused, we're not just saying physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse by a perpetrator, but here the system is a perpetrator. And nobody yeah. thinks of the legal system as a perpetrator to children. Well, certainly we need reforms in this area to protect our children. Now, there are times when the parent who has custody, usually the mother, can influence the child to think negatively about the father when he's not around. How damaging is this for the child? Um, when we think about the, the fact that, uh, yes, more often than not, mothers are given the custody of a child, but there are situations where it's the other way around then 
um, the child does not anymore see physically or have chance to talk much to the parent, the other parent, you know, or the father who didn't get the custody or didn't get the shared rights or space of the child, then the child gets busy with their normal daily life. And each time there is a thought about the other party, then you'd find that the parent with custody is the one who gets irritated, angry, frustrated, and, you know, and, and the kind of words spoken, uh, the anger that comes out. Sometimes parents even tell their children that you're you know, that person is so bad and they did this and they did that. And, and the child just takes it in. The child doesn't know whether this is right, this is wrong, you know, is it biased? It's not in the mindset or frame of reference of a child who is growing to know that there is such a thing called bias, to know that there is such a thing that um, there can be half-truths in a matter. Children don't know. They only know concrete information and whatever you tell them, this is supposedly the truth because it came from my parent. And suddenly when they hear each parent say something different, this is very much confusing. So if the parent is uh, having custody and taking care of the child and using words and speaking in such a way, they instill fear and instill doubt in the child that, and, and their own negative feeling of uh, anger or bitterness or you know, unhappiness about the situation is then also shared with the child to the point that if living in such an environment is so, then the child begins to talk in the same way and behave in the same way. This is no different than advertising. When we have advertising going on the TV and the child watches the same advertisement every day, eventually they start to mimic, talk, um, you put children in front of a, of a children's program and the main character of the program, they start to talk exactly like that character. So this is modeling and children learn and be, you know, develop their, their behaviors through modeling. And modeling can come from imitation, we say, that parents say something and then I imitate and I do the same thing. Um, it comes from a learning where they are not necessarily parroting or mimicking the same thing, but they are taking it in and then that becomes them and their behavior. So if we want children to learn um, to be uh, you know, balanced in their different views and ways, we need to instill certain um, consistencies in how we share with them. So we're talking now about parents who then tend to be you know, very much from their point of view and perspective. Uh, now, that perspective may not be wrong in relation to the relationship they have between husband and wife, but that is very much not the same as the motive or intent of a parent towards their child. So two adults um, may have conflicts in a relationship, that just, but just because you have a conflict with this person, doesn't mean that that's how you also relate to your child. And this is what is being imposed on when the adult tells the child, your father is like this, and therefore it's as if that's how the father will be to the child as well, which very often is not so because when the parent is with the child, they act differently than when they talk to another adult. So, so you can have a very different uh, formation of a relationship. 
Now, I'm talking here about people in the normal spectrum of personalities and normal spectrum of managing conflicts in that sense. I'm not talking about people with disorders of the mind or personalities that are already in um, inflexible, unable to shift and adjust, that they have very fixed mindset and view of life and they tend to impose that no matter on who because those are personalities that are more difficult to work with. They don't tend to shift their views, you know, and they're not able to um, be flexible in seeing a different perspective. Yeah? And this then you can find this separation or this alienation because this is my view and this is how it needs to be going on all the time. Now, Dr. Valerie, to wrap things up, uh, staying in our frame of advocating on shared parenting, we've touched mm -hmm. on various aspects that can have a negative impact on a child. Yeah. But one more thing we need to touch on is abuse. So, Dr. Mm -hmm. Valerie, what do we need to assess to ensure the safety of a child as we advocate for shared parenting? Okay. Um, in relation to uh, abuse and in relation to assessment, as per se, I would say that when uh, any case is put through divorce, or first of all, the divorce and the custody need, need to be separated um, because the divorce is between two adults and custody is looking really into this area of how do we take care of the child. Now, when you want to think about the, the aspect of an abuse to a child, when a child is made to choose one parent or the other, the child being brought into an assessment will never be able to assess whether the parent has a potential for violence or, or suicidality. But if we insist that for custody situations, both parents need to be psychologically assessed, then psychological assessments involve doing tests of a normal personality. We have tests of psychopathology in which we are able to, um, there are lie detectors that are built into the validity of such tests. And from there, we're also looking at potential for violence. Now, potential for violence is different from people who are struggling with mental health issues. Now, people with mental health issues, like they suffer anxieties or they are rather depressed in themselves and, you know, have low energy. Some may need medication for this. This is not a discriminating factor that says that this person will abuse the child. No, it doesn't. In fact, this is uh, the stigma that has been positioned that makes many people so afraid that when they struggle with sleep and you know trouble disturbing them, they're not able to go out and get support from therapies or from even medication that can help them to calm down, rest and do better for themselves. Uh, in fact, this is becoming a discriminating factor that says you then are not fit as a parent to take care of your child. You know, but if we really explore this with uh, children and the well-being of that child, then this is a responsible parent that is going out there and saying, I need to make sure that my mental health is in order because my child's mental health is also then important. Now, these are not what we're looking at. What we're looking at in those assessments would be for persons who show signs of disorders like narcissistic disorders or antisocial psychopathic disorders because it is in these that they show a sense of uh, violence that is potential to a child manipulation and somebody who is uh, in, indirectly, you're not able to see it on outside because sometimes they present very well, but it means that there is a, a potential within them to be showing this violence. 
Now, there are certain personality pathology assessments that help us to identify these markers in a person. And these are markers that because they're personality related, they are pretty stable over time. They might not show in a, in a high degree of, um, of a person who is already full-blown in there, but the patterns of how they behave already are predictors of this. And depending on the severity of it, it then gives you a marker for a potential that this can be a person with a great potential or already showing signs. Now, but we don't actually just take test results on its own. We need to hear um, from the individual in terms of their background, their family history, how their, their developmental process went on in their own lives that seem to have shaped these types of potentials in their life. And these are then matched into certain experiences that perhaps have happened in the conflicts in their marriage. It may also come from an interview of not necessarily the two spouses, but maybe a third party. It could be a parent or a friend, uh, a neutral party out there who is also interviewed in terms of what they have observed certain behaviours to be. Now, all of this information is weaved together with the test results to be able to come to some kind of a diagnostic criteria. And when this is being able to be done, then we're able to be a bit more assured that this is a parent who is actually in the normal range. There is no abuse here and there should be no, no signs of saying that they have no right to shared parenting versus somebody who clearly comes out very high on the scale and uh, is then clearly having such a sign. So most cases who come to me and I say, I don't do the child, but if you would like to, and you are a parent and there's no issue, why don't you do an assessment of yourself? And we put together based on the test results to show that you have normal potentials and nothing out of the ordinary. And this is what we present. And I think that the few people who did do cases like this, they won their cases, you know, and, and they were able to get that uh, custody. Of course, it's not shared parenting in that sense, but many of them, I positioned and I told them, I said, if you see yourself as this good person and you can work and fight to get the custody of your child, then I know in your goodness, you will not deny your child the access of their other parent. But if the other parent is the one that is so insisting and bitter and things like this, and you give in and you lose this case, then they're not going to be kind to have you involved with the child then the, the loss is to the child. So if you're really doing this for your child, then create this balance so that you be this big person and push it, you know, in this way. And there are the few people who did that and then they did win the cases and then there was a bit better harmony between them and their ex uh, in relation to the children and the children now have the best of both worlds. Maybe oh, this is an yeah. example that says how, how an assessment helps and how that yeah. potential helps to take away that aspect of abuse in a person's life. Yeah? And it's good to know that what you've explained is quite a comprehensive look at the person, mm -hmm. not just judging from the outside, you know, the person who may have what, tattoos, whatever, and you think, yes. oh, you know, this person is not able to, to raise a child, you know. Yes. And it's good to yes. know exactly where the person is and how they will think and behave. Yes. All right, so we'll have to leave it here for now, Dr. Valerie, but okay. I'm sure we'll have you back to unpack this overview of shared parenting. I mean, we've just barely, yes. I don't know, are we barely touching the surface? There's lots yes. more to talk about this, right? Yes, yeah, So I hope you'll come back and, uh, sure. and join mm -hmm. us on this podcast. Okay, right. thanks, Kevin. That was consultant clinical psychologist Dr. Valerie Jakes helping us understand shared parenting a little better 
and how without it, a child may face many difficulties psychologically and emotionally. And here's an invitation for you. If you're a father seeking emotional or psychological support, reach out to the Father's Rights Association of Malaysia through our Facebook page. The link will be in the description. And even if you're not in a similar situation as some of our fathers, but you want to support us as we aim for shared and responsible parenting, do like our page, video and share this podcast. We would really appreciate it. So till the next episode, on behalf of Dr. Valerie Jakes and myself, Kevin Francis, we wish you well and stay safe. See you in the next episode. Bye.